Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. Today is part four of A Fresh Fear of the Lord. And our key scripture that we are focusing on for this series on A Fresh Fear of the Lord is Philippians 4, 8. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is full of power. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you, Father, for allowing that word to penetrate our very being, our soul and our spirit, to penetrate who we are, to bring truth to our lives, to encourage us, to strengthen us. Thank you, Father, for all those listening today. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless them to apprehend this series, this teaching, and and just allow to saturate their spirit, man, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul, writing to the Philippians, writes from Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is really a giant chunk of stuff that Paul really commands us. He says, meditate on these things. So we are expected to chew on this word, to meditate on it, to, to spend time on these particular scriptures. So today we are going to look at whatever is just and whatever is pure. I want to start by looking at the word just and its meaning. Basically, the word just means what is morally right. It's a state of being right or having right conduct, judged whether by divine standard or according to human standard. Said of God, it designates the perfect agreement between his nature and his acts in which he, Christ, is the standard for all men. I just kind of want to go over that just a bit here. So the word just has to do with whether the standards are human standards or whether they are divine standards. And that's how things are judged. In this particular situation that we're talking about, we're talking about God's standards. And I like this where it says said of God, it designates the perfect, the word just designates the perfect agreement between God's nature and his acts. So Jesus Christ is the standard by which we as Christians judge what is just. Just, you can look at it like this. Just is an expression of righteousness. So what is just has to be measured according to God's word. 
Just also means legally correct. Being in conformity to that which is good. We are going to be looking at a lot of scriptures today. I am reading totally out of the New King James Version. So if you want to follow me, and I'm going over a lot of scriptures today, I'm going to be reading out of this, this text only, the New King James Version. So I'm going to start by talking about scriptures that support this word just. And we're going to start in the Gospel of John. And I want to show you something there. This is John 17, verse 25. And this is Jesus speaking. Actually, let's go back to, let's go back to verse 23. We're going to look at verse 23, 24, and 25 of chapter 17. Jesus says, I in them and you, speaking of the Father, you and me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. There's a key here. Jesus is saying to the Father, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Think about that for a moment. The Father loved the Son before he ever created the earth, the universe, the world. And then Jesus says to the Father, he says, O righteous Father, and that word could be just, because just is an expression of righteousness. O just Father, O righteous Father. Jesus is proclaiming right then and there that the Father is just. And then he says, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. Okay, turn to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 25 and 26. Paul writes, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus there's a lot there <laughs> um, Paul's talking about Jesus saying that God sent him forth as a propitiation 
And that word propitiation, we're not going to get into a whole long thing about that. I've talked about that before when I did the whole book of First John. But that word propitiation means the appeasement of divine wrath by sacrificial, sacrificial offering. In other words, Jesus became the uh, appeasement, like it appeased the Father not to pour out his divine wrath because there was the shedding of blood, the sacrificial offering of his son. So God who set forth, Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, by Jesus' blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. First John 1. First John chapter 1. We're going to look at several scriptures in First John, but this is First John 1 verse 9. This is a scripture you should be familiar with. John writes, if we confess our sins, he, Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John is making a clear statement about Christ. He is faithful and he is just. He is righteous. He is morally right. All right. First John chapter two, verse 29. And it says, if you know he is righteous. John writes, if you know that he, Christ, if you know that Christ is righteous, you know that everyone who practice, practices righteousness is born of him. So if you know that he is righteous, you could put the word just in there. You could, you could literally switch those words. Okay. First John 3, 7. John writes, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So when we, in our behavior, our actions, when they are righteous, we're just as he is, because he is righteous. Okay. Now, let's go, I want to share something with you here. And let me get there. It's important to understand something here. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for atonement, or you could say, or reconciliation with mankind because we were separated from Christ and Jesus became the reconciliation and he became the atonement fellowship with a holy God could only be realized through 
atoning for the sins that separated mankind for this, uh, from God and his covenant promises. So in other words, we can't approach a holy God. We can't be in fellowship with a, with a holy God, except that Jesus, through his atoning blood, took our sins that separated us from God and separated us not just from God, but separated us from his covenant promises. It is the shed blood of Christ that ultimately satisfied the requirements of God's justice. So there had to be, God had to have justice in the situation. He had to do something. And the requirements of God's justice were met by the blood of Jesus. When he shed his blood on the cross, that satisfied the requirements that God had to bring justice. In other words, to remove our sins and bring us reconciled to God. God's judgment was fully put on Christ. And Christ was the blameless sacrifice for all sins, both past and present. It is through faith in the blood of Christ that mankind is justified in God uh, in God's eyes. That's how we are justified. Justification. We are made right in God's eyes through the shed blood of Christ. When we have faith and believe that Jesus' blood was shed for our sins, then we are justified. The blood of Jesus Christ then also Listen to this. The blood of Jesus Christ then also becomes the bond that joins people to God. It's that blood shed on the cross that joins us to, to God and entitles us to God's covenant provisions. The blood of Christ is forever the only means of a right relationship with the holy God. And so we are, we are talking about whatsoever is just. And we have to understand that when we talk about that word just, we're talking about the fact that Jesus had to shed his blood for us to be in right relationship with the Holy God, to make us just, to make us righteous. And that's you know, you see the word justification. It means we have been made right with God. We are now in right relationship with God. We now have peace with God, Paul says, because we are an enemy of God. Every human being that is not in right relationship with God is an enemy of God. They're not at peace with God. But when you have faith in Christ and in his shed blood, you now are in right relationship with a holy God. And that is important when we talk about what is just to understand about the blood of Jesus. Because we can't have fellowship, we can't be made righteous, or we can't be called just if 
we don't believe that Jesus shed his blood to remove our sins and for us to no longer be separated from God but to be reconciled to God. So I hope that makes sense to you. That's that's an important concept to grasp, to hold on to. Okay. Let's look at Acts chapter 3. verse 14 now Peter is talking here and he's having a dialogue with the uh, church folk okay in the synagogue and he says to them but you denied the holy one and the just and that word just is capitalized but you denied the holy one and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom god raised from the dead of which we are witnesses so peter makes a proclamation and he calls christ the just and that's accurate because he is the holy one he is the righteous one he is the just now each one of these words so far in philippians 4 8 i have mentioned to you that each one of them are actually defining like they are a definition of the character of who christ really is right he's the true one he's the noble one he's the just one so when we're meditating on philippians 4 8 you don't have to just mem you know meditate on that specific scripture but you can take that scripture and begin to meditate on christ all scriptures that relate to christ because he is the just one Okay, I'm going to share something else with you here. Let's see. Now, that word just, obviously a Greek word because we're reading in the New Testament. Diako, uh, it's, it's, it's pronounced dikaios, dikaios. And it means upright, blameless, righteous, conforming to God's laws and man's. I said that earlier. The word was originally used to describe people who lived in accordance with dika, which means rule or custom. In the New Testament, it is used primarily of persons who correspond to the divine standard of right made possible through justification and sanctification. And I've already talked about that. When we're talking about just, we're talking about a divine standard of what is right and 
what is right made possible through justification and sanctification, which just means being separated unto God, being made holy. Let's look at Acts 7. I'm hoping I can get all these covered because I have a lot of scriptures here today. Acts chapter 7, verse 52. And this particular scripture, we have um, Brother Stephen. And he says in, in verse 52, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. So Stephen is, is oh, I tell you, these, these, uh, <laughs> these church folk are all riled up. Stephen's got them all riled up. But he says to them, you know, and the verse prior to that, he calls them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in their heart. He says, you always resist the Holy Spirit like your fathers did. And that's why he says, and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. In other words, they killed the prophets. That's what these religious people did. They killed the prophets who were foretelling Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, all these guys who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayer, betrayers and murderers. So Stephen refers to Christ as the just one. And, and in this New King James version, version, just and one are both capitalized. So we know it's a reference to Christ, the just one. Acts 22, verse 14. Again, uh, this is this is Paul writing, and he says, Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one. And hear the voice of his mouth. And Paul, again, the just one is capitalized, capital J, capital O, the just one. The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. So the, there are a couple scriptures here just to point out that Christ is the just one. He is called the just one. I think I'm going to I'm going to skip several scriptures here so that I can get to. Well, I hate this. Got a lot here. All right, let's go to second Timothy. Verse four. I'm sorry, second Timothy, chapter four. Verse 8, and Timothy writes, Finally, 
There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, this is important because we saw that Stephen called Christ the just one. Paul called Christ the just one. And here in 2 Timothy, he is called the righteous judge. Because he is the just one, he can be the judge and is the judge. Amen. I want to take a look at 1 Peter 3, 18. Okay, this is an important scripture. 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Hallelujah. So Peter tells us that Jesus is the just, and he suffered for the unjust. That's you, that's me, that's all of mankind. The just Christ suffering for the unjust, that's all of us. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. This, these set of scriptures here, this is how we, this is what is just. Just listen. When you're, when you're meditating on what is just in the word, this is what Paul writes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is Right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In other words, when we're talking about what is just whatever is just it is right for parents to bring their children up in the admonition of the lord it is right for children to obey their parents it is right it is just for parents to honor their mother and father so that they will have long life and it, and life will go well with them Acts 4.19. Oh boy, I am going to be out of time here. I am not going to even get to pure. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Um, I'm not even... I don't think I can get there. 4.19. But Peter... 
And John answered and said to them, whatever is right in the sight of God, listen to listen to you more than to God you judge. Okay, I didn't say that very well. Let me reread that. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whatever it is right, whether, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. Peter and John are just making an argument about what is just, what is right. See, is it, is it more right? Is it more just to listen to God? Or is it more right or just to listen to man? All right. I am absolutely out of time. I thought for sure I would get to whatever is pure. I haven't even finished with whatever is uh, just. But I look forward to being with you next week. I hope I hope you're getting something out of this. Um, you can go to www.pureheart.today. Listen to this podcast again. Um, I truly, truly ask you to pray for this ministry, Pure Heart Ministries. And if this is blessing you, I'd appreciate um, you sending an offering to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia. 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I have some good news, and I'm grateful for, for prayers for uh, whatever you send to this ministry because we are now on at 11 p.m. on Mondays as well. So, voice in the Wilderness will be on Mondays at 8 p.m. as well as 11 p.m. So I'm grateful for that and I'm excited about that. And I look forward to being with you again next week. Shalom, shalom, peace be with you.